the Young and Healthy Podcast. You're listening to the Cincinnati Children's Young and Healthy Podcast. Welcome to Season 2 of the Cincinnati Children's Young and Healthy Podcast. My name is Bo McMillan, and I am once again honored to be your host for today. I am a member of the communications team here at Cincinnati Children's, and just happy to bring you another episode. Today we're going to talk about pediatric cancer survivorship, and with me today is Dr. Ellen Chang and Dr. Melissa Erickson. Dr. Chang, I'll start with you. What do you do here at Cincinnati Children's? So I am a pediatric oncologist. Um, My specialty and passion is in cancer survivorship, so I work in our cancer survivorship clinic. Dr. Erickson? Yeah, I'm a family medicine physician. Um, I serve as the medical director of cancer survivorship and oncology primary care at UC, and I also um, see patients in the survivorship clinic here at Children's. Well, thank you. Appreciate you guys both being here today. Let's just get really practical. The idea of cancer survivorship is something that we're familiar with being in a hospital setting, but I'm guessing a lot of our listeners probably don't even know what that means. Can we just start with an explanation? Sure. You know, um, thanks to modern cancer treatments, um, more children are surviving cancer really than ever before. Um, Cancer survivorship is really focused on helping patients thrive after cancer treatment. So we focus a lot on wellness and treating the patients as a whole person. Um, Unfortunately, the same treatments that can save lives may also cause other medical conditions or health complications, and we call these late effects. Sometimes these may not show up for years after cancer treatment. Um, Some examples of late effects might include things like heart or lung problems, fertility issues, and unfortunately, even secondary cancers. So at Cincinnati Children's, um, our patients transition um, to the survivorship clinic several years after they have completed their treatment. Here they are seen by one of our survivorship physicians for an annual visit to really focus on these potential late effects and review some wellness strategies. So as Dr. Erickson was talking about, you know, I think the goal of our cancer survivorship is really to promote that lifelong wellness. So it's a way for us to transition our patients from thinking about their cancer diagnosis and the treatment that they've received and talk about ways that we can do preventative care, cancer screenings, and help them have the best life that they've imagined for themselves after their cancer diagnosis. Yeah, that's really helpful. I want to take a little bit of time and dig into that some more. So Obviously, you've talked about the importance of seeing these patients long-term, even after their cancer diagnosis. You've talked about screenings. What are some of those different screenings? What do, what do we do in terms of um, you know, ways to prevent adverse effects in the future, whatever those may be? And what do we do to educate survivors? And, and like you said, just in general, give them a better quality of life. Yeah, I mean, I think the important thing is that many of these late effects are treatable. Um, And so there's things that we can do um, to help both prolong their life, but just improve the quality of life, as as Dr. Chang was saying. Um, Some examples, you know, we're lucky that we have some long-term follow-up guidelines that have been established by the Children's Oncology Group to really provide us with good evidence-based care on how we can best um, screen for some of these things. Um, One example is the heart, right? So a lot of our survivors have had certain types of 
chemotherapy or maybe they have had chest radiation that we know can increase their risk of developing heart problems. So for these patients, we might recommend that they get an echocardiogram or a heart ultrasound every two to five years, depending on what their level of risk might be. Mm-hmm. In addition to talking about heart problems, patients can have issues with fertility afterwards based on different types of treatment that they receive, whether it's radiation or certain types of chemotherapy. So we have a fantastic oncofertility program. So they will meet with you when you're diagnosed, and we'll talk about different ways to do fertility preservation. But also later on when you're a cancer survivor and you are interested in family planning, then they're able to meet with you once again and talk to you about what options you have available. You know, and unfortunately, some of our patients um, are at increased risk of second cancers due to their treatment. Um, And sometimes they can develop these at an earlier age. So I'll give you an example. We might have a female patient who had chest radiation, and we know that they're at higher risk for developing breast cancer. So we'll recommend that they have an annual mammogram and a breast MRI Um, beginning eight years after they finish the radiation or age 25, whichever comes last. We also know that certain types of cancer, though rare, can be associated with a genetic predisposition syndrome for a cancer. So we have a wonderful genetics team that will meet with you and do counseling for yourself, your family, to talk about what are the risks of secondary malignancies afterwards. We also do simple things like talking about good sunscreen and skin prevention to talk about skin cancers, which is really important. Um, We do things talking about just dental health and making sure everyone goes and sees their dentist every six months and also following up with the primary care provider. So while we are able to do a lot of um, preventative care based on the treatment that you receive, we still want you to follow up with the regular provider, regular doctor as well. Yeah, there are two really interesting things that came to mind um, as you guys were talking through this. One is you're talking about different stages of life for an individual patient. So even with these younger patients who come in to um, you know, be treated for cancer, you're still following them. I mean, is, is it safe to say their whole life, this cancer survivorship you know, lasts forever? Yeah, I mean, I think that's really a unique thing about our survivorship clinic here at Children's is that we follow them for the rest of their lives. You know, most pediatric programs probably transition them out as they kind of reach a certain age. Um, but we really recognize the value of that continuity of care and having a good understanding of the treatment that they received when they were children. Um, and so we're lucky that we can um, see patients um, kind of their whole lifespan. We have several of our physicians focus on seeing patients that are under the age of 25. And Dr. Tang and I, for example, have adult training, and so we see a lot of our older patients as well. Um, I think our oldest patient in the clinic is 69, so it just speaks to the importance of um, paying attention to this um, throughout throughout their lives. I agree with Dr. Erickson. I think our survivorship clinic here is very unique. It was one of the reasons that drew me to coming to this institution to work um, for Cincinnati Children's is because we're able to follow patients forever. Uh, We know that long-term follow-up care is really important because, as Dr. Erickson had mentioned earlier, some of these late effects may not show up until your fourth, fifth, sixth decade of life. So doing, you know, good education and preventative screening as well as treatment is really important for our patients. We have the expertise because we know what type of cancer they had as pediatric patients or, you know, adolescent young adult patients, and we know the treatment that they've received, so we know what type of late effects to look for. Um, So, you know, as Dr. Erickson said, both her and I see patients that are older, which I think is really cool mm-hmm. about Cincinnati Children's, and uh, it's one of the reasons I love working here. Yeah, and, and I want to I want to get 
um, a little more in depth on some of those differentiators here in a minute. The other thing I did want to comment on briefly that really stood out to me is you you were talking about so many disciplines in medicine. We're talking about heart care. We're <laughs> talking about you know nutrition and, and things like that. So this is really a multidisciplinary approach, right, when it comes to cancer survivorship. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's we um, we would not be able to do what we do if we didn't have our you know collaborating physicians. You know, we have um, folks in endocrinology and cardiology, um, in you know psychiatry and psychology, physical medicine, rehabilitation, neurology. All of them can help to provide comprehensive services to um, deal with some of these late effects. And I think we have a wonderful relationship with the University of Cincinnati, and Dr. Erickson primarily works out of University of Cincinnati, and she's, you know, thankfully comes over to Cincinnati Children's as well to see our patients. So because we have that relationship, it's a wonderful bridge. So if our patients do need some more specialized adult care, we're able to link with providers that are across the street from us and have people who care about cancer survivorship as well as our pediatric cancer survivors. That, that is such a good segue, I think, into talking about the differentiators here at Cincinnati Children's. And again, we are a pediatric hospital. That's kind of what we're known for. But we're talking here now about seeing adults well into, you know, older years. Tell me why, a little bit more about why that's important. I know you mentioned some of um, these, uh, I can't remember the exact term you used, adverse effects that don't show up until later in life. Um, Talk a little bit more about that and just other reasons why it's important to follow people this long. So, you know, we have talked a lot about the medical late effects that patients can have, whether it's to their cardiovascular system, whether it's to their bone health, whether it's to their lung system. But also a big part of survivorship is about achieving their developmental milestones. It's about being able to go to college, about having, you know, financial resources. It's about being able to get the job that you're looking for, having good supportive relationships and family planning. So there is a big component of emotional and mental wellness, as well as financial and psychosocial wellness too. And I think you know that definitely changes, like you mentioned, throughout their, as they get older. Um, and so I think having that multidisciplinary team is really important, and that's a big component of pediatric cancer survivorship in addition to screening for late effects that can happen as you get to be older. Yeah, absolutely. And just to kind of um, piggyback off what she said, you know, we have a lot of young adults and, you know, understandably, they are used to having their parents be intimately involved in their care. And so we really try to help them as they enter that young adult stage to kind of take some ownership of their care, to know what what treatment did you have, um, help them schedule, you know, learn how to schedule appointments for themselves and really take charge of their um, some of their lifestyle choices when it comes to things like smoking or exercise and eating and those types of things. Just really equipping them to have a hand in their own well-being and healthcare. Absolutely. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of it is education that we provide because you know their exposures to their chemotherapy, those are things that we cannot change. Those are things that we had to do based on their cancer diagnosis. But there are things that we can modify, different types of lifestyle behaviors. Um, like Dr. Erickson said, being like, we know that you've received this chemotherapy, so you're at higher risk of having a heart problem in the future. So let's talk about not smoking. Yeah probably not a good idea. Or let's say, let's screen you for diabetes or hypertension because those are things that we can treat and the earlier we treat, the better it is. Tell me some other ways that Cincinnati Children's is special, specifically with this cancer survivorship program. 
You know, I mean, I think one thing um, that we could talk about is ways that we're trying to be proactive with our patients. So for example, we have partnered with, our survivorship program has partnered with our pediatric cardiology colleagues to create um, what we call a CORE program, which stands for Cardio-Oncology Rehabilitation. And what we're doing is we're taking a model that already exists within cardiology. You know, Children's has a great program for congenital heart disease. Um, where they use exercise um, as an important treatment modality. And so we're looking at some of our highest risk survivors based upon the treatment that they had and using exercise to help prevent the development of some of the heart disease that we're talking about. So I think that's something that's incredibly exciting um, so that we're not just being reactionary and dealing with heart disease after they develop it, but let's see if we can prevent it from happening at all. So I agree. I think that's one of the fantastic things about Cincinnati Children's is that they care so much about cancer survivorship and have put in a lot of resources as well as people who care about survivorship into the program. So, you know, similar to the core program, we're also looking at just doing what we call a prehabilitation program where it is exercise not only for patients who have potential uh, cardiovascular effects, but just for all of our survivors. Being healthy and exercising is really important. And so we want to do that for patients who are currently receiving cancer treatment, but also people who are off treatment. So we're trying to really promote this healthy uh, lifestyle as well as overall lifelong wellness. We also are continually doing more studies and research to see how we can help improve the life of our survivors. So I think that commitment that Cincinnati Children's and University of Cincinnati has to our survivorship program is really amazing. Let's take a little bit of time to delve into this idea of lifelong wellness. This is something that both of you have mentioned several times now. And as we've talked about, we're really caring for patients throughout their entire life in, in various steps. And obviously that's going to change and look different depending on where they are in their current life. So, you know, what are some things that we do to help um, encourage that lifelong wellness in terms of, you know, connecting patients to the community, resources that we have, mental health? I'm sure is a, a huge aspect of this. What, what are some things that we do? Yeah, I mean, I, I love that you mentioned mental health. I mean, it's incredibly important. You know, when we um, see our patients for their annual survivorship visits, we're screening for things like anxiety and depression because we know that they exist at higher levels in this population compared to the general population. And that way, if we can identify concerns, we can connect them to the appropriate resources. That might be seeing one of our counselors. It might be connecting them to a peer support group um, to kind of um, get them functioning where we want them to be. There are wonderful online resources. Um, there are great cancer survivorship support groups out there. And so, you know, we have a multidisciplinary team, like you've mentioned before, including our social workers who can help link them to those resources. There is something called Elephants and Tea, which is a great digital resource and helps connect people to other teens or survivors. Um, there are different camps that people can go to. There's Camp Ronald McDonald, where you can meet with other survivors and help kind of reclaim your life and kind of defy the experience that you've gone through before. Uh, there are programs where they can link you with a mentor, um, someone who has gone through that cancer and survived that and is just a really great resource for you to have. Uh, there are different types of financial resources that are available and scholarships for school based on the fact that you are a cancer survivor. So our program is able to help link you with those different types of resources that are local and national within the community. Yeah, I was just going to echo that. I think creating a sense of community is so important so they know that they're not alone. You know, this past weekend, we just had our annual cancer survivorship picnic at the zoo, which was great after a several-year hiatus due to COVID. 
And it's just a wonderful opportunity to bring our patients, their families, our providers, and some of the community support systems together, you know, where they can have some fellowship outside of the hospital, I think is just amazing and really shows the commitment of children's um, to our survivors' overall well-being. I'm really sad I was not able to attend. I think it's been on a hiatus for a couple of years because of COVID. So I heard that there were hundreds of people at this event. So I'm really excited to go next year. It was awesome. The weather couldn't have been better. So we had a great time. That's amazing. And I, I absolutely love the concept of connecting people to community. I think that's important regardless of where you are in your life and who you are. But particularly with something like cancer survivorship, you know, at a young age, let's yeah. say, you know, something that you you may just naturally not know anyone else in your life who's dealing with this. So to be able to connect with people who are and understand that, I mean, that has to be massive for someone in their mental health as they grow up. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think that's a key difference too between our pediatric survivors and adult survivors of adult onset cancers is that we all probably know somebody that has had an adult onset cancer, but pediatric cancers are a lot less common. And so it's very likely that they have not ever had an experience with someone that had something similar to what they did. And so I think the power of that connection is, is incredibly important. Mm-hmm. But also, you know, with all the medical advances and treatment, you know, there are more and more cancer survivors every year. And mm-hmm. so, you know, the statistics show that about 85% of children who have cancer will go on to become survivors. Wow. And so that means that there's almost half a million cancer survivors in the U.S. So helping to link those groups is important. Um, and cancer survivorship itself is so important because we have more and more cancer survivors every year. That's such an interesting concept of as as medical science just gets better, we're going to have more survivors. That's an, that's an amazing thing. So you have a growing population for these types of programs. Um, yeah, I don't know. This is a little, I guess, uh, forecasting, but where do you think this will be in 5, 10, 20 years? What will cancer survivorship look like? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a great problem that we have, right? <laughs> <laughs> that that we are having more and more survivors as we are doing a better job of treating and, and identifying these cancers. Um, and so I think it just speaks to the importance of um, that we need to um, be educating um, the community about it. We need to be training our, you know, um, physicians and providers about survivorship care because we're going to be needing more in our workforce to kind of help care for these patients. Yeah. I think a big component is education to the community. Um, as we have more and more cancer survivors, advocacy, I think, is also really important. So, you know, there are resources to help people with national speaker bureaus and work on advocacy kind of more at a higher level um, to help support our cancer survivors. Yeah, let's let's dig into that a little bit. Um, you mentioned education for the community, and we talked about before the importance of connecting those who have survived cancer with others who have done that as well. But I would say most likely cancer survivors are probably spending a lot of time around friends and family who have never had cancer and, and who have never had to experience that and can't you know, directly empathize. So what are, what are things that individuals who have never had cancer, what are some things that they can do to support and help survivors? You know, I think um, just from the emotional standpoint of things, I think just being sensitive to their feelings, encouraging them to be able to talk about some of the issues that they may be um, having or afraid to talk about um, with family members or friends. 
um, you know, making sure that they are aware that there's these programs that we can connect them to. Um, and even as simple as it sounds is, are they connected with the survivorship clinic, right? You know, that's one thing that we're working on right now in our clinic is, you know, some of our patients unfortunately complete their treatments and then they kind of um, don't follow up in our survivorship clinic. So really reaching out and, you know, making sure that um, as many of our survivors um, as possible can be connected to the survivorship clinic. So we're happy to see our survivors, if they're out there, to come back and see us in clinic. You know, we provide treatment summaries. We give you, you know, evidence-based guidelines in terms of what type of follow-up that you can receive. You know, we have patients that still come see us once a year, and they still live in different states. I recently had a patient who came and saw me from Sweden, and he said he'll come back whenever he's in town to see his family. Um, So I think that's one of the really amazing things about our program. And you know, we're talking about, you know, what does a survivorship clinic look like in five to 10 years with having more and more survivors? You know, we are able to have our survivorship clinic five days a week because we have so many providers within our survivorship team. One of the things I did back when I was in fellowship was seeing what are ways that we can continue to give this long-term follow-up care when people are moved away. You know, they've gone to college, they've gotten jobs, they've had family, and they're further away from you know, their survivorship clinic that they used to attend. We can link you with other survivorship clinics that can be in your area, or we can just provide education to your primary care physician on what type of things that you need so that they can continue to provide you that care if you're not able to come back to our survivorship clinic. I think it's a good problem to have. Yeah, it sounds like it. I I think that the more people who can be helped and survive diseases like this, uh, obviously the better. I, I just appreciate you guys coming on so much because it sounds like so much of this is just education, just letting people know there are resources out there. And again, if I didn't work at a hospital just in my normal everyday life, I would never have had a concept of cancer survivorship. You think someone comes in and they get treated and then you know, you're done. Maybe you have some follow-up appointments. But what you're talking about is something that is really an integral part of your life for the rest of your life. And so I think it's just so great that that you can share this, uh, that our listeners can hear this. And even if they're not directly impacted by cancer, but know someone who has been, to be able to share that there are resources out here, vast resources that touch on, you know, a multitude of areas of their lives. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. I I mean, I think you touched upon the heart of it. It's education. I think, you know, it's not uncommon that some of our patients are like, I've completed treatment, I'm done. I don't want to talk about it or think about it anymore. Um, and so we just really want to change that story a little bit and say, um, it's, it's, it's okay to talk about it. It's important to talk about it. And there's things that we can do to help you. Yeah. And sometimes we have patients who really didn't want to think about it after they were done. They're like, we want to take a step back. We want to go back to our normal life. And then years later, maybe they're at a different stage in their life. And they're like, let's talk about it. Let's talk about the diagnosis you know, that I've had. Let's talk about the you know, different late effects that are possible. Sometimes it's spurred by a partner who's saying you should go back and see your survivorship clinic. Sometimes it's by friends or family, which is great. And so education is important, but I think also being linked with an academic center that has a survivorship program is important because, you know, a lot of the research up until now has been identifying the problems and the different types of late effects that were possible for our survivors. But now I think we're really at the point of making those types of interventions. You know, one thing is important to help link you with community resources and different types of support that we can provide. But then we can also talk about what are different types of research we can do in our survivors? What are different types of interventions that are coming down the pipeline that are new, innovative, novel that we can use for our survivors to help improve their quality of life. 
Absolutely. I mean, I have patients not uncommonly say, part of why I love coming to my annual visit is to hear what's new. You know, what's changed maybe since I was last here? And I think that's a good connection that we have. Um, one other thing that I just wanted to mention <clears throat> for any of our listeners, you don't have to have been treated at Cincinnati Children's to be a part of our survivorship clinic. That's huge, yeah. So if you had a pediatric, adolescent, or young adult cancer, and you were treated somewhere else, and you don't have, you're not connected to a survivorship clinic, we are more than happy to see you um, and provide your care. I love that. Well, as we wrap up, is there anything else that we haven't talked about that you would love to mention? I think we've covered quite a broad range of topics. We really appreciate you having us on this podcast so we can talk more about cancer survivorship with both Dr. Eriks and I are quite passionate about and, you know, being able to highlight all the wonderful things that Cincinnati Children's that we're able to do with our cancer survivorship clinic. Yeah, I agree. I just thank you for this opportunity and to kind of help us get the word out about our, our clinic. Absolutely. And obviously we have more information on our website for anyone who wants to go and, and find out. So encourage people to do that. Dr. Chang, Dr. Erickson, thank you so much for being with us, and we'd love to have you back on again sometime. Absolutely. Great. Thank you. Thank you. This episode was recorded on September 14th, 2022. The content of the Young and Healthy podcast is for informational and educational purposes. Our theme music was created by Stephen Rico. This episode was produced by Symphony Fair Harris. Thanks for listening. Follow Cincinnati Children's on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter.